Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We are down to just four teams left in college basketball's biggest tournament. BetOnline has you covered with all of the lines, the odds, the props, and more for this championship weekend. Head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into the 900th episode of the Take It easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it is once again a podcast welcome in everybody it is april 1st and that ain't no joke it is our 900th episode of the podcast and that ain't no joke at all Thank you to everyone who continues to support this podcast with downloads and subscriptions and all kinds of great stuff on all the different platforms. You guys really are helping to support these dreams to one day make $75,000 a year doing Rinky Dink podcasts. And you guys are helping that start with every single download that you guys have. So, On today's 900th episode of the Take It Easy podcast, Blake, Jude, and I finally recorded a mock draft. We had said many a times we were going to record a mock draft, and we finally got around to recording a mock draft here on the podcast. We did all 32 picks. We did it in under an hour and a half, which is usually remarkable by our standards. We even got interrupted by breaking Bobby Wagner news. That was kind of fun. We talked about that a little bit. So instead of doing Bobby Wagner in the A block, because there's always an NFL story in our A block every single goddamn day, we could mix that together into this wonderful podcast that we recorded here today. It is our first mock draft of 2022 as we get into the month of April for NFL draft season 2022. We got mock drafts probably once a week because they're really easy and fun content for you guys to engage with. 32 picks here with in-depth analysis, trades, and all kinds of fun stuff on the take it easy podcast. 900th episode spectacular. What's going on? What is going on today? We're four weeks out from the NFL draft and we're doing a mock draft. I would, it would, uh, it would appear that we are finally after 
Last year, we did a mock draft in the week in between the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl. We are now doing our first mock draft on the first day of April, at least when people are listening to this. We're recording it on, in March, but when you're listening to this, it'll be in April. Yep, super excited. I mean, we haven't really, this is probably the latest we've ever actually started doing mocks. I already have a big list down, but honestly, like, I mean, with how exciting this year's been through free agency, of course, really fun playoff time, everything like that. It's been kind of tough to try to transition into this NFL draft talk, obviously. Uh, but, I mean, it's still a really fun draft. Maybe not as top-heavy as past years, like I've said multiple times through this podcast. But I definitely think in the middle ranges of the draft, you look at like the middle of the first round, maybe even late in the first round. I think there's a lot of value and some really good prospects that I'm really excited to talk about. And it's interesting because similar to the NBA, a lot of the picks are now being concentrated by teams, you know, about four or five teams have about half of the picks in this year's draft. So as star players get more value and contracts increase and salary caps increase, few teams are valuing draft picks at higher values. And it's interesting to see how that plays out this year because, I mean, I'm looking through the order and it's like Giants, Jets, Philadelphia, three picks. Green Bay, two picks. Kansas City, two picks. It's like a lot of teams are valuing those draft picks this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I will defer to you first on this one because there's a lot of questions about the number one pick. You're the draft expert. I will defer to you. So for people who are new to this game, I should, since it's our first one this year, but we've been doing it for three years now, we alternate back and forth, back and forth. This was a a big content piece during the pandemic for us when we first started recording podcasts. Mock drafts were a great content point of us going back and forth trading picks. So Blake will get odds on this one. I'll get evens. The next time we do it, we'll flip it. Blake, I want to hear what you have to say with the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, I mean, just for just for clarification, this is going to be, uh, I think, predictions on my part and what I think is going to happen compared to what I would do. Because if I'm picking here number one overall, I'm probably going a different direction personally. Um, I, I do think we have seen the number one overall pick change multiple times through these last couple of weeks, months with Jaguars, mainly due to their st- – uh, strong free agent signings. I mean, a lot of different guys went to went to Jacksonville this year, but also the fact that uh, they also franchise tagged off to tackle Cam Robinson, uh, who will be back with the team for another year. So I think that big need of offensive tackle is now kind of being pushed down the line to next year, leading me to believe that this is probably not going to be a pick on the offensive line that a lot of people once did think. Um, so if it's not going to be offensive line, I'm really looking towards another edge rusher to pair next to Josh Allen, an outside linebacker. I really do think there are three good edge prospects that are all in play here. I look at Kayvon Thibodeau. I look at Trayvon Walker. My pick here is going to be Aiden Hutchinson, edge rusher from Michigan. I think he's the number one overall pick at this very moment. Uh, had a very, very strong season this year after deciding to come back surprisingly last year. Um, a lot of people thought he could have entered the draft last year and still have been a, a, a mid to late first round pick. He came back, had an unreal season, played really, really well is a borderline elite pass rusher on the college level. I think it's a great compliment to Josh Allen. He's already polished. I think he's ready to play now. Uh, he probably has the highest floor out of any of the prospects at edge rusher in this draft, in my opinion, at least when it comes to the pass rush side of the things. Uh, very good technique. He's got the strength and athleticism to be really, really good. Um, he is my third overall graded pa- player in this draft as of right now. I think he's an absolute beast. Um, personally, I'm a bigger fan of Kevon Thibodeau, mainly due to the really high ceiling he has. But you already have a guy like that, Jacksonville and Josh Allen, who I think can be that Kevon Thibodeau on your team. You look at Aiden Hutchinson, he's more of a 
reliable guy that you know could come in and give you six, seven, eight sacks a season, at least. Ooh, all right, all right. Okay, that was interesting because I haven't been as uh, draft inclined this year. I'm taking a lot of your expertise on the draft this year, and I thought Hutchinson was going to slide a little bit either to two or three. The fact that he's number one changes the math because I have Detroit and Detroit's been fielding calls for the number two pick because instead of last year, they could have traded Matthew Stafford to Carolina and picked Micah Parsons at pick eight. Now they get the two pick this year. They kind of need a generational edge rusher, but I'm going to see who, who would field calls. If the lions are trying to shop pick two, who are they fielding calls from at this point? Well, if you're hopping ahead of Houston, you're probably looking at getting an edge rusher. Um, I don't know if the Jets would be willing to hop. I can see a scenario where maybe they do. I'm also not leaving out the idea of maybe a team like Seattle or Atlanta going really aggressive and trading up to get their quarterback of the future, maybe even Carolina as well. I'm not too sure what that trade would entail. See, two is a really weird pick to trade for because I really think the value in this class with the second overall pick isn't as high as what it was before, but teams are going to value it that high still. So it really depends. Um, this is tough because I also know that the Giants are are possibly going to trade down from five as well. So there's also a chance maybe one of those quarterback needy teams just trade up to five instead. I feel like that would make more sense for them. The only would Baltimore want to get up there and Baltimore sitting at fourteen. Would they try and get a generational edge rusher? I mean, they, they would love to. I don't know if you can meet the value the Lions are willing to give them. That's the big question. Well, if in the spirit of time, we'll hold off on that. And maybe by, by our luck, the, tr- the pick will be traded by the time we get here tomorrow. Because we right. always seem to jinx this thing. We did a mock draft last year where like the next day the 49ers trade happened with the Dolphins and the Eagles. And it was just wiped out immediately. So for the time being, I'm going to have them take Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau with pick number two going to the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I mean, Thibodeau is my favorite edge rusher of this class. Like I said, he was a beast uh, his first year at Oregon, and everyone thought he was going to be this next Chase Young generational type prospect. He's dealt with some injuries through his career with Oregon, which I think has kind of hurt his stock a little bit. I know there's some NFL teams that have questioned different things like his uh, – I, I don't even know what they call it. It's like his uh, – I don't know. It's, it's something like they don't, he has the dog in him or something like that. Like something like really random and off topic. I don't even know how you can really judge that. Honestly, it's weird. There was a report that came out that NFL scouts were dropping him because of something that had nothing to do with actually playing the game. Uh, and I was really confused by that. I don't really know why that's the case. Uh, I don't know if it's smoke. It certainly could be smoke from the way it sounds. I'm not too sure though. Um, but I still think he is going to be, if not the first edge rusher off the board, possibly the second. There's an underrated chance that maybe Trayvon Walker hops and he goes third. But regardless, whoever gets this guy is getting an A-plus, in my opinion. He's the best prospect of this class. I think whoever drafts him is making the right move here. It makes a lot of sense for Detroit to get a great edge rusher uh, for old man Campbell to, uh, to work with. And that might be a beast. At least man Campbell gets one year because man Campbell's looking at one of those two and out coaching situations. But we'll see. You've got Houston at pick number three. Both the edge rushers... That maybe I think there's a third there's a third defensive lineman, but both of the edge rushers are gone now. Yeah, the the last guy that I'm really considering here at pick three would be Trayvon Walker, the edge rusher from Georgia. And as as far as I know right now, he is supposed to go a lot higher than people expect. 
So I'm actually going to take him here at three, three edge rushers, such defensive linemen, really uh, going into top three here. Trayvon Walker is a guy that I personally don't have graded the very highest. He's my edge rusher four in this class, still a top 15 guy on my grading sheets. I think he's really, really good, but his combine and what he has done through his, uh, his athletic testing has shown that he is a very, very high potential player. In Georgia, he's mainly been a better run stopper. I really think he's he's been really good at that. He can he can rush from the interior as a three four defensive end and, and get to the pat, get to the, the the quarterback as well. But in a stacked Georgia defense, he was not always the first guy there. There's always almost a guy there over him every single time. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis. You had Nicobe Dean. You had a lot of different guys getting to the quarterback there at the same time as Trayvon Walker. So he wasn't always the first guy. But I will say, you notice Trayvon Walker a lot through film. He's making a lot of plays, especially in stopping the run. He was a really, really good compliment to both Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis. Those are the ideal three interior defensive linemen on your team to have in college football ever. Like it's insane how ideal those three guys were in in unison. They were all working. They all had different strengths. They all worked very, very well together. Trayvon Walker is going to be a very good fit for Houston because I do think Houston needs a huge need at edge rusher right now or defensive line in general. I could see them adding a guy. Lovey Smith, of course, is a defensive-minded head coach. He must. He, I think he really, really likes the prospect of Trayvon Walker. I think this pick makes a lot of sense for him in the defense of Houston. Okay, so my next pick is going to be a little bit ironic given the reason that they have the number four pick in the draft, but I'm going to have the Jets take Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, who people are calling the best safety prospect to enter the draft since Jamal Adams, which is ironic because by trading Jamal Adams, they were bad enough to have the picks that then became Zach Wilson and now Kyle Hamilton. When I said back in 2020, when they traded Jamal Adams, that the Jets were not going to find a player as talented as Jamal Adams for the next 15 years at that position. And ironically, they just might get a player as talented as Jamal Adams at the same position as Jamal Adams. Yeah, Kyle Hamilton is my second overall graded prospect in this class right now. He is the best safety I've ever watched on film. It's not a debate. I mean, you know how high I was in Derwin James throughout the process. He was top 10 graded in my book that year. I, was, I loved Derwin James. He was a better athlete than Kyle Hamilton. He had certainly had some good places on film, but Kyle Hamilton is a better prospect than Derwin James is coming into the draft this year. There's a very, very good chance we were talking about Kyle Hamilton being a generational type safety with how talented he is on the field. If I'm the, if I'm the Jets, I'm looking at this pick right now. Offensive line is certainly a possibility. But you look at the offensive line now, where they added in free agency, of course, they got a lot of good offensive linemen there. They have Georgia, they have George Fant, a right tackle, of course, with Kai Beck, who's manning left tackle. You just added, of course, uh, the offensive guard from uh, from the 49ers, Lincoln Tomlinson, of course, a very, very good guard. Elijah Barry Tucker is a, you know, just a rookie last year. He had a pretty solid season. And then you have, I believe, Connor McGovern at center right now. So you have a, a good core of five to already protect Zach Wilson. Now, offensive line is not really a huge need at this point. You look at the secondary, however completely different story a very very weak battered uh you know uh group back there you lose jamal adams of course he's no longer on the team marcus may is no longer on the team as well as your best safety uh of the group right now kyle hamilton makes a lot of sense for this pick i love this pick personally i think this would be where i would go if i'm just general manager um and, and i think it makes a lot of sense that you're getting the best player available at a very big position of need even though it's not really great positional value per se in the top five of picks Yes, but he might be that special prospect if he's the second graded prospect on your entire board. Those never come from the safety exactly. position. Maybe that'll exactly. work out. All right, you've yes. got Giants at number five. What do the Giants do? 
So this pick's 1,000% offensive line. I'm not going to consider it anywhere else. Uh, biggest question here is wh- wh- where are they going to go? Are they going to go for Evan Neal, a tackle, to be a pure tackle on this team? Or are you going to go with Ike McQuanu, a guy that can play tackle, but also has some good experience at guard? I'm actually going to take Ike McQuanu here with the pick. I think a lot of people have Neil over Aquanu. I think for the Giants, this makes more sense to go for Ike because I do think Ike gives you a chance to the best five offensive linemen on the field. If you're able to put him at guard or replace Will Hernandez, who just left to the Cardinals at free agency, I think that makes a lot of sense. You can also move him to tackle. And I think he's got a lot of good tackle capabilities as well on this team. So I think you can move him in different spots. Let, let it be to where wherever he fits the best, wherever you think he's the best at, you put him there and then you fill out the gaps around him later on. I think that makes the most sense in my eyes. So I'm going to take Ike McQuanu here. Evan Neal's a guy that I think a lot of people thought could be the number one overall pick, but in my eyes, I think he deserves to slip a little bit after what everyone's added to free agency at this point. Well, in that case, I'm going to just sit at number six. I know they're taking calls at this point, but I'm just going to give Carolina Evan Neal at this point sitting there because I thought Evan Neal was going to go in the top three. And the fact that he's fallen down to pick six, I think Carolina has Taylor Moton to play right tackle. I think he's like the highest paid right tackle in the NFL right now. So slide Evan Neal over to left tackle. It looks like Cam Irving is their starting left tackle right now. So you know, that could be something that works out for them. But if, if you get a if you get a top five prospect at, or top three prospect at pick six, just go ahead and take them. Don't worry about the trade down. Don't worry about whatever. Just get the guy and then move on later. And, and it makes complete sense, right? I mean, Evan Neal's still a top six guy on my personal draft ranking. So this makes complete sense. It's the best player available pick for the Carolina Panthers at their biggest position of need as well. Uh, Carolina desperately needs offensive line help. That's been established for a long time. They have not taken a first-round uh, offensive lineman, obviously the offensive tackle, in the first round in like 15 years, several years since they've taken an offensive lineman first round, which is crazy to imagine. But at the same time, at this point, you got to protect Sam Donald. you got to let him develop uh, and, and be able to have more time in the pocket to – to throw some better passes to the to different wide receivers across the field. You already have great weapons there. You have a great running back, Christian McCaffrey. You just need the offensive line to put around Sam Donald to let him work. I really do think that Evan Neal is going to give you a great pass protector that is a natural left tackle already. So playing him at left tackle makes a lot of sense here. It's a great fit for Carolina. I really do think that you can argue maybe the Jets still go for Evan Neal, even though he would be playing right tackle there. You can argue maybe a team like the Giants goes Evan Neal over Ike McQuanu. You can argue – even a team like Detroit Lions at two can still go for another offensive tackle to put a part with a Sewell they just drafted. You can, you can, I can see any of those scenarios unfolding, and I wouldn't be surprised at all. But I do think, in my opinion, after what I have saw, I think there's other prospects in the top half, or top five of this draft that could go over Evan Neal, and that's what we're predicting right now. That's why Evan Neal is going to go here six to Carolina. But I do think it makes a lot of sense for Carolina to get their guy. The Detroit Lions are so bad everywhere else. They just have like this gauntlet of an offensive line, though. Like they've got Ragnow, they've got uh, Taylor Decker, they've got Sewell. They're just building this like gigantic offensive line. That would be so funny if they took another offensive lineman at the top of the draft. Is they get nothing else except just offensive linemen. That's just the De- the Detroit Lions' entire mantra is we're going to block everyone, even if we can't do anything else other than block. But tell me I'm wrong. This is exactly what you would expect from Dan Campbell. That's exactly what you would think of Dan Campbell doing in the NFL. No, I mean, the the, the perpetually mediocre franchises are weird because like I feel like the Giants have been drafting linemen in the top five for like 10 consecutive seasons and none of them ever work out. So I, I don't know. It's just difficult to figure out how that works because 
what good is the offensive? I mean, I guess DeAndre Swift is a pretty good running back, but I guess I'm just like, what does it matter if everything else is interchangeable except for the strong offensive line? Like at least the Colts also have star players outside their really good offensive line or, you know, I previously we used to say Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh doesn't have a good offensive line anymore. Yeah, uh, it changed a lot for them. But yeah, no, I mean, it, it does make sense. I, I, I totally agree. I just think Evan Neal is a good prospect that, you know, uh, being a natural left tackle, which is one of the most important positions in football, if you ask me, I can see a lot of teams just saying, hey, I don't care what I have in the offensive line right now. I'm going to put the best guy I can get on the board here. And it makes a lot of sense for Evan Neal to possibly be that guy, um, you know, for, for the draft. So it's certainly possible. Um, other way happens. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes a lot higher. I can also see him going to six. I do think, though, six is definitely his floor in my eyes in this draft. I do not see Evan Neal falling below six personally, but it's, it's certainly possible. All right. Giants at seven. I'm sure there are a lot of teams trying to call because they know who's got the next two picks in the draft. Yeah. And if if I'm the, if I'm the Giants, I'm 100% trading this pick every single day of the week. Well, let's see who's calling at this point. I don't think Seattle's that desperate unless they really, really like Malik Willis. Uh, Washington. No, they just traded for Carson Wentz. Um, Minnesota's interesting. Because Kirk, Kirk Cousins is under contract for two seasons. And they, we know they tried to trade for Justin Fields last year. Or that they were going to take Justin Fields until the Bears traded above them. So Minnesota is interesting. Minnesota. Who else is there? Philadelphia is not. Chargers aren't. New Orleans isn't. Uh, Pittsburgh's a possibility at 20 as well. I don't know what they give up. That's enough value for the giants though i don't know pittsburgh got from from what was it 20 to 10 by only giving up like a a second and a fourth round pick and the 20 pick a few years ago so i don't know if it'll take that much unless they i I assume anyone maybe other than minnesota is going to have to give up two first round picks to get there right but what is i was was gonna say oh sorry i I was gonna say do you think maybe Pittsburgh looks to give because we know that Pittsburgh has a lot of interest in Malik Willis. They, they definitely like him. And, and Mike Tomlin even said they don't know if he's going to fall to, but they would love to have a quarterback. Do you think it's possible that maybe they give up a first round this year, first round or next year? Maybe some extra picks on top of that to move up to the top seven. Because I do think that makes a lot of sense, but you control the Steelers. So you make this offer, right? Oh, okay. So if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm going to throw. I guess it would have to be two firsts, right? Okay, so let's say I'll give you two firsts and then the Giants have to give them a second rounder next year. Hmm. Interesting. Let's see, two firsts. That's uh, probably... Uh, I, I would like another another pick this year's class, though. Can I get like a third rounder as well here? How about a how about a fourth rounder? Fourth rounder is fourth. The, the is what I'll throw yeah. at you. All right, uh, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. Whew. All right, all right. So Pittsburgh is moving up to wait. Where's I can't find it on here. Anyways, Pittsburgh's moving up to seven, and uh, in that case, they will draft one Malik Willis with the seventh pick in the draft as the Giants, for the second year in a row, trade down so someone else can pick their franchise quarterback. I think I think moving down to to next year to uh, to get another pick for New York makes a lot of sense here, and also you you just move down in the first round, so you still have two first round picks this year as well. Where I think it's better value for them overall. 
So I do think for the New York Giants, it makes sense to trade back. I would definitely think I definitely think New York wants to get at least another day to pick out of this trade. But two first round picks and a fourth year does make a lot of sense for for New York because they're going to have a very very good uh, potential. You know, it's going to be a couple years here where you're getting consistent first round picks uh, to build around this team. So I think it's, I think it makes a lot of sense on their part while also being able to keep value. But for the Steelers and Malik Willis, I mean, we know that this is a I think a match made in heaven for both teams, honestly. You give Malik Willis a quarterback that can definitely roll out of the pocket, has a very, very deep arm, a good arm. I, I, I think a couple of really good weapons in Chase Claypool, who can win deep, of course. Deontay Johnson, I think it's an ideal slot receiver, Z guy for your team that can win deep, but also can be a very good yards after catch type player. You also give him a, a very promising running back, and and uh, Najee Harris, I think, can be a, a very, very fun, good option for you. Like Gray City, but getting tight end Pat Fryermuth, who I think is a very promising rookie, is looking to continue to improve his game next season. And even though the offensive line is not completely ideal at this point, I do think it is good enough for Malik Willis to be able to actually make plays, uh, uh, you know, be able to make a couple of plays uh, to uh, give this team a chance to win a couple of games this season. It's a very, very tough AFC North, a very good set of defensive linemen, a very good defense is, of course, all around the board. Do I think Malik Willis can outduel Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson? Probably not, but I definitely think that it's going to be a good start to a good future in Pittsburgh. It would not shock me one bit if Pittsburgh goes all in and tries to trade up for a quarterback like Malik Willis. That would be fascinating because it gives us a reason to talk about Pittsburgh in that context because Pittsburgh, you know, they still have the really good defense. It's not a great defense anymore, but defense fluctuates year to year. So give them a good defense one year. Willis gets the development, at least with an organization that has been, you know, if if the Patriots are the gold standard and Baltimore is the the silver standard, the, the Steelers have been the bronze standard for organizational stability over the last 20 years. So that should uh, that should be a good matchup there, I would imagine. Breaking news! Breaking news in the NFL, but kind of a big news too. One of the best free agents just made a signing. Oh, uh, is it Bobby Wagner? Yes, Bobby okay. Wagner has gone to the LA Rams. Oh, interesting! Richard Sherman said he had Bobby Wagner news at some point. That's a that's a really good that's really good. Oh, that's really good. Oh shit. Okay. Um, so I, I know, I know they were originally talking about like Wagner wanted 12 million and the Rams had, Oh my God, he got a five year contract. Five oh my year, God. 50 million. Oh my God. I thought it was going to be a one year prove it deal. Oh my God. Okay. So, so they split the difference. So it's like the Rams were at nine. Wagner was at 12. So it's 10 million guaranteed plus he can earn up to 13 million on the contract. Interesting. Interesting. So they basically got cheaper Von Miller, right? That's basically what it was basically. Well, I mean, a, a different position, but you get a guy that I think is, I mean, you get one of the top five middle linebackers in this, in, in the, in the league uh, to kind of replace a, a really good edge rusher in Von Miller. I, I think, I mean, you look at the, the, the Rams, linebacker core i mean this is a a, a slam dunk signing for la i mean to get bobby wagner that's for, so interesting for 10 mil a year guaranteed that's really good value for a top five guy that is crazy well i think the argument was always like we don't know what bobby wagner is anymore that's why it was like a prove it deal. if he's getting a five-year contract like how did the seahawks get nothing for i guess his contract was really bad with the seahawks i guess that was a part of it but it's like, why, why are the Seahawks not getting anything for him? That's so interesting. Speaking of yeah. the Seahawks, we'll get to them in a second. Uh, but 
uh, eight pick for Atlanta. Uh, I'm going to go Jordan Davis, defensive lineman from Georgia and just Ooh. freakish human being staying home in the ATL. Falcons break their rule of if we never address defense, eventually it'll fix itself and they actually address the defense. I love that you went with this because this is a, I, I think, a pick that would surprise a lot of people come draft day. But according to what we're hearing, Jordan Davis is going in the top 12. It's just going to happen. Like, there's no debate. Jordan Davis is going to be a top, top 12 pick in this class. He is the best nose tackle I've ever scouted. Easily. I mean, Vita Vita is the next best, in my opinion, who is an all-pro nose tackle, by the way. But Jordan Davis, I have ahead of Vita Vita here. So two generational prospects in this class, nose tackle and safety in my eyes, Kyle Hamilton and Jordan Davis. He will go top 10. We know that the Falcons have desperate need at defensive line. You already have Grady Jarrett. I think he's a very capable three-tech. You put him next to Jordan Davis, who's going to take down two men at once. Grady Jarrett's going to be one-on-one against an offensive guard every single play. Let me also add real quick that the Falcons run a 3-4 defense that actually plays a true nose tackle. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you got a guy that is, yeah, I mean, it's a very, very good scheme fit. We know that Georgia ran a, a three, four defense as well. And, and also keep in mind that this is, you know, this is Jordan Davis staying in Georgia. He's already played for Georgia. Atlanta has a lot of familiarity with different Georgia players. We've seen that over the years. They're able to watch these guys easily. I mean, you can just you can drive down to go see Jordan Davis play if you want to. So Atlanta already has a lot of familiarity with Jordan Davis, a guy that was a Heisman contender, keep in mind. That's how good he was at those tackles. So very capable pass rusher as well. He can get to the quarterback. He can also stop the run. He's a very, very good do-it-all nose tackle. There's a very good chance we're talking about Jordan Davis being one of the best nose tackles in the NFL in just a year or two. That's how good he is in my eyes. It makes a lot of sense for the defensive line to go with a guy like Jordan Davis. Make it two Georgia players taken in the top eight of the NFL draft from the same defensive line. There's also going to be two more first round picks from there. I have a feeling at some point as we go along here. So let's go Bobby Wagner's former team, the Seattle Seahawks at pick nine, courtesy of the Broncos from trading Russell Wilson, even though they are sucking for Stroud or blowing for Bryce or whatever their plan is next year. What are the Seattle Seahawks doing at pick number nine? So we've heard that they are trying to see, they're, you know, they're dividing different prospects. We've seen Malik Willis has visited Seattle. We saw that. Kenny Pickett's visiting Seattle. We saw Matt Corral's visiting Seattle. Really the top three quarterbacks in this class all going to Seattle to uh, maybe uh, try to, uh, uh, you know, uh, maybe see if, if Seattle's going to have any interest in them. And I think that there's a very good possibility that they take one of these three quarterbacks in this class. Um, I'm actually going to go with quarterback here. I'm very, very tempted to go Ahmad Sauce Gardner. I think this makes a lot of sense scheme-wise for Seattle. They really have a big need at corner. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. But if you if you see a quarterback that you like here, you got to take him in my eyes. And I really, really think that they like Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh a lot here at pick nine. It makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of concerns right now. Like Kenny Pickett's hand size and different you know factors like that. But if you're Seattle, you got Drew Locke at quarterback right now. <laughs> You want to you want to still win some games. You want to give DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett some good quarterback play. Kenny Pickett's going to get the ball to them very very well. Uh, he's a very very capable passer. Has some really really good. Uh, you know he, he's kind of like Russell Wilson. He's very very good in his legs, able to get out of the pocket, make a couple of moves. Is very very dangerous down the field with his legs as well. So you got to respect him in that case. You're going to you're going to give him container, give him a spy every now and then. And but it, it, once you do that, he's going to hit DK Metcalf. He's going to hit Tyler Lockett on the outside going to get the ball to the guys on the outside that can really really work well and i think a very very underrated uh thing about seattle is they have a very reliable run game with their running back committee of chris carson rashad penny uh even guys like um 
DJ Dallas and and people like that who are maybe underrated running backs who are able to take on you know 30, 40 carries together in a game and really take the pressure off of a guy like Kenny Pickett. So it's a very, very good uh, match here. I have Matt Corral as my quarterback one graded this year, but I do think if it's going to go down to Matt Corral or Kenny Pickett for Seattle, Kenny Pickett is the pick here. That is really interesting because I was convinced this was a weak quarterback class, and yet now we have Pittsburgh trading up 13 spots to get a quarterback, and it wasn't even the local kid that everyone wants them to pick. And then that kid still ends up going in the top 10 behind the guy who I thought the entire time was going to be the one quarterback taken at the top, which is Matt Corral. So interesting, interesting choices all around with the first uh, the first nine picks of the draft. I have the Jets... I don't know what to do. Um, The Jets are in such an interesting position where they need wide receiver and they need corners. And I know there's so many good corners available right now, but there's also good wide receivers. So this one, this one's interesting. I'm going to throw it to you. So I have my pick, but I'm going to throw it to you. If you're in this position, what are you doing? If you're the Jets? Well, already adding a safety. I think they have a couple of good corners they can work with right now with Bryce Hall. And I believe they signed another guy. Uh, I forgot his name, but I do think he's a very capable corner. Tremaine Johnson still hanging out there somewhere. (laughs) I assume he's always Uh, hanging around the Jets secondary. Um, It's possible. Uh, Let me look at the the roster. It says DJ Reed. Yes, DJ, DJ Reed. Yes, Seattle. Uh, yes, they already got the, yeah the DJ Reed. And I think it's a very underrated signing. He's a pretty good starting corner uh, for Seattle. Apart, uh, I believe he might have even been a cornerback one this year. Actually, DJ Reed. So you you give Bryce Hall a guy like that. You already have Michael Carter to the second, who I think is a very very promising player. You got Javon Gujri, who I think is uh, a very fast. I mean, I scouted him a couple of years ago. He's a very very fast corner that. It's currently listed in the slot. I think it also play outside. And then, of course, Brandon Eccles from Kentucky, who I'm very familiar with, that had a pretty good season last year, all things considered. So you got enough a corner in my eyes to where you're able to be okay with what you have right now. In my opinion, what makes the most sense here for the New York Jets is going for an edge rusher. And there's a guy on the, on the edge board that I really, really like right now. I think I haven't actually graded above Trayvon Walker. I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of being a good pass rusher for this team. You may tell you who it is, or did you? Uh, uh, you can you can throw it out because I already I already made my pick already beforehand. Okay. So you can throw it out here real quick. I really like Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. I think what we saw from him in the Senior Bowl makes a, was really really impressive. I think he can be a very dangerous pass rusher for this team. You already get Kyle Hamilton. Uh, you have Carl Lawson coming back, but you desperately need still need a pass rushing uh, core there. You had John Franklin Myers to be a regular down player. I think Jermaine Johnson can come in on whether it's first, second down, or just third downs and be a very effective pass rusher that you can have and develop behind both Lawson and Franklin Myers. Lawson has some very bad injury concerns. I still think you need to get a reliable guy back there. Jermaine Johnson makes a lot of sense. Okay, so I made a joke this week when I was talking about the Jets. That the Jets did the Washington thing where they tried to trade for every wide receiver possible and just kept getting rejected. Like they tried Devontae Adams, they tried DeAndre Hopkins, they tried Tyreek Hill, and then they tried after that, they're like, we're trying to target A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Debo Samuel. And they're like, no, you are not. You are not getting any of those wide receivers. And so like Washington got Carson Wentz, they're going to end up with the Carson Wentz of wide receivers which is Jarvis Landry. And they're probably going to give Jarvis Landry $10 million at some point here, but I'm going to have them take Garrett Wilson from Ohio state, the wide receiver with pick 10. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Wilson is going to be 
a X receiver next level. You look at what they have right now and Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. Uh, you had Denzel Mims, who has never really panned out, even though I was a big Denzel Mims fan, as you know. Um, you know, they, they have an okay core. It is definitely still bottom 10 in the league right now. And yeah, Corey exactly Davis, he, less than 500 receiving yards last year. Right. I mean, he, he has really... Uh, you know, he, he's dealt with some injuries, of course, and that, that needs to be noted, but he has not really lived up to what everyone thought he could be when signing with the Jets, right? I think everyone thought he could have been a wide receiver one. He hasn't lived up to that. Uh, we know uh, from reports that just came out today, actually, that the two Ohio State wide receivers, Chris Olave and, and, and Garrett Wilson, are going to go a lot higher than people already think. So it makes a lot of sense that we see Garrett Wilson going as high as 10 right now to the Jets, even though there's not... You know, there, there are question marks on, you know, if there's even going to be a guy going top 12 at wide receiver right now. I do think it makes a lot of sense. That there, I do think there is going to be one that goes higher than what we expect. Garrett Wilson here does make sense. You want to get Zach Wilson some weapons. You already got him a good offensive line. You have a pretty solid running back core of, of uh, Michael Carter, uh, Tevin Coleman, and uh, 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 Ty Johnson, of course. So you got three good running backs that are back there. You, have, you just got your two tight ends and C.J. Uzama, of course, and Tyler Conklin from Minnesota as well. Uh, you, you got everything you need. You just need to get some better wide receivers. You have Elijah Moore, who I think can play the Z receiver for your team, um, but also can play in the slot if need be. Corey Davis can play the Z as well with his speed and deep threat ability. Also is capable of playing the X. I think Garrett Wilson slots in ideally as your X receiver on this offense who could be your number one guy that can match up with Zach Wilson. I actually really think if you want to build around Zach Wilson, going offense uh, here would be absolutely ideal. And out of all the offensive players right now, wide receiver makes uh, wide receiver make the most sense here. And Garrett Wilson, I think, is a good fit for this team. I could definitely do some damage for the Jets. Washington at 11. What is your pick? All right. So Washington has some needs at wide receiver, of course. I also think cornerback's a big need for this team. I really think corners where they should go here with the value we see, of course. I'm very, very tempted to go Sauce Gardner after what he's done for this team, but I do think Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU is a better fit here for the Washington football team. So, um, or for the Washington Commanders now. <laughs> it is, sorry. Or Washington uh, but, uh, racial slurs. I still call them the Washington racial slurs. <laughs> Yeah, any any of those would, would work. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I think right now you look at uh, what Washington definitely needs. You, you obviously could tell corners a big need for this team. The defense had a big fall off last year after being a very dominant defense like in 2020, of course. Uh, so you, you wonder what's the biggest reason behind that. If you really look at the cornerback room, William Jackson the third, did not pan out the way they were hoping for. He had a really rough season, and that's, that's just the case of, of how it is for them right now. And, and Washington doesn't really have a lot of reliable younger guys behind him that you can really like, you know depend on to, to kind of come in and, and be maybe a, a temporary replacement. So you hope William Jackson III can come back and be a good guy next year. But Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice, you're really going to trust those guys for your team. I don't think you should. So I'm, I'm cool going corner here and going Derek Stingley Jr., who's, for one, best player available here for sure at pick 11, but also at the same time can be a guy that is also fitting a big need for this team and giving you a good replacement corner to play alongside these guys have been struggling lately. So Washington will now have used a first-round pick on defensive line for six, or defensive player for six consecutive seasons. In this analogy, six consecutive first-round picks on defense for Washington, and Derek Stingley is the pick there, which fits into the Dan Snyder mold of big names and kids from Alabama. He is going to go that route through and through with Derek Stingley at pick eleven, Minnesota at twelve. Uh, is there any, are we forgetting someone who needs to trade up? No, I don't think anyone's desperate to trade up. Um, 
Arizona might be willing to trade up, but I don't know if they want to do that right now. So you have Arizona. Is there anything you would trade to move up to this pick right now? Um, yeah, I would love to trade up, but I'm Arizona. Actually, there's a guy I would definitely take here if he's available or since he's available. Um, I, I mean, look, let me look and see what, uh, can also throw Philadelphia with one of their three picks in the mix. Philadelphia can move up here. Uh, possible. Um, on, let me let me see what uh, let me see what I can throw at you here. Hmm. Uh, what if I give you a my first uh, a third in a twenty twenty two second? Doing it. Oh, I would do that two. if I were Minnesota. I would do that for sure. Uh, I think is that fair value? You think? <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. So it's three valuable picks, which. I'm trying to think back to precedent. So like the, so from 20 to 11 last year was the um, 20 to 11 was the, the uh, Justin Fields trade. And that took a first rounder and a fifth rounder. So that was just for quarterback specific, but I'm thinking back to like Devin Bush getting traded from 20 to 10. And that was a, uh, that was basically like a second, a third, and then a pick swap. So I think that would be about the Devin Bush trade. So I think that would be like there's precedent for it. What about a first this year, a third this year, and a third next year instead for the second? Makes more sense. You could you could also make it a conditional pick. Like if this happens, then it it translates as a third round pick, and if not, it translates to a second or something like that. Yeah, we'll we'll do that then. We'll do that. I think it makes a lot of sense if it's conditional and could be a second round pick. Possibly, I think the bikes would be more enticed for that. I I do think that'd be my offer, though. Uh, It's up to you. you, Let's make let's make a trade here because I don't think I think Minnesota could go corner, but I don't think there's anyone they have to have at that point. So think minnesota's okay moving down and doing the the war chest of trade pieces or something like that at this point since they don't have a lot of money <laughs> yeah very fair uh so the cardinals trade up here uh and i mean they definitely need corner that is their biggest need by far huge huge hole at corner right now amon sauce gardner has fallen to pick 12 i really consider amon to be a primary zone corner next level but he's definitely capable of playing man to man to man for for the arizona cardinals this is a team that has played a lot of zone has played some man from time to time they usually do it depending they, they try to fit around their pieces it's really weird as they had a draft that a couple years ago of course has played some safety has played some linebackers even collins came in playing a little bit of linebacker playing he's played everywhere on this defense as well as isaiah simmons they were able to take these pieces and move them around sauce gardner is another very versatile piece he can do a little bit of everything right he has some capabilities in, in press coverage, even though I wouldn't say this is exactly his strength. I think he's best in zone coverage, but he's also a very, very capable man coverage guy, like I said, due to his height, uh, his his overall uh, athleticism, very, very fast, athletic, jump out of the gym, of course, at all times. I mean, this is a very, very good athletic player, and I think he makes a lot of sense here at pick 12 for the Cardinals, who desperately need help on the cornerback room. As someone who has been co-hosting the Red Rain podcast on SB Nation covering the Arizona Cardinals, definitely slot corner is something that's their biggest need, but corner as a whole is definitely a weak spot for the Cardinals because like Robert Alford is like their main corner right now or something like that. So they definitely need the the plus there. Um, I'm going to throw, you have pick 13 and I'm going to throw a, a Green Bay Packers trade at you real quick because uh, Green Bay wants to get in this game here. I'm trying to see if Green Bay has compensatory picks that they can throw at them because that would make it easier for them. Let's see. So Green Bay Packers, uh, 
Packers get a well, compensatory pick next year for Marquez Valdez Scantling, but they don't get any other compensatory picks. So let's say the Packers throw pick 22. Uh, let's see. What else did they get from the Raiders? They just got a first and a second from the Raiders, right? I think that's all they got. So, I believe. Uh, so let's say, let's say they'll trade their own second round pick and let's say like a sixth rounder. So pick 22 pick, what would that be? Like 60 and a sixth round pick to the Houston Texans. Yeah. Uh, I think, hold on. I'm, I'm just going to like, I'm trying to run this through the machine to see if like the value matches up, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that I would, I would do that. Uh, Cause they have two, they have two second round picks this year, right? The Packers. Yes. They have their own um, and they have the Raiders pick. They don't have a six rounder though. So they have two sevenths and a fifth. Okay. So let's say a uh, seventh then let's say seventh. Okay. Early seventh to the Texans. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It makes sense in the value meter. Um, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. This show is presented by athletic greens. We've told you about Athletic Greens before. With one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to get your body right. Athletic Greens is one scoop in a cup of water every day, and that's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D. That's 365 days worth of athletic greens. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. You can also use the link in the description to this episode. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I think it makes sense. Nice. So Texans slide down and I'm going to take with pick number 13 in the draft, Chris Olave going to the Green Bay Packers wide receiver from Ohio State and from Mission Bay High School. Shout out San Diego 619. Uh, Chris Olave going to the Green Bay Packers. My number one overall receiver in this class is Chris Olave. Uh, that is a very bold take. I'm not, I, I might be the only person in the world that has that right now. I'm not too sure. I know there's a lot of people out there who have really kind of uh, been worried about Chris Olave mainly due to the fact that he's got a pretty slim frame, right? Is, is capable of getting beat in terms of strength. Uh, people worry about how he handles press coverage and things like that. Um, I think Chris Olave is one of the best route runners we've seen in the, in the draft in a long time. He's got unbelievable speed. We saw it in the, in the combine, of course, runs a, a sub four, three. So this is a guy that's very, very fast. And is also very capable of playing a very uh, Z receiver for, for an offense, right? You just saw the Packers have just lost Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, a very good speed receiver and a very, very good all-star Pro Bowl receiver and Devontae Adams. Chris Olave fits into that Z receiver spot and gives Aaron Rodgers a deep threat for this team that I think could be very valuable. If you are ha- planning on having Alan Lazard at the X, which it seems like that's where they're going to go right now. They're they putting a lot of faith in Alan Lazard at the X receiver spot. You already see that right now Randall Cobb and, and Amari Rogers have that slot, spot man. 
really looking at the biggest weakness on this wide receiver core, it is the Z receiver. So if there's anywhere they should go, that makes the most sense here. Chris Olave is by far the best Z receiver in this class. I think you really only argue with Jahan Dodson, but I have Chris Olave pretty easily above him right now. And I also think that you look at where he is able to fit with Aaron Rodgers as a great quarterback. It makes a lot of sense to have these two matchups together. I love this pick. This is a great pick. It makes a lot of sense they would trade up. And so Olave is getting some rumors that he's going to go a lot higher than what people expect. All right, I have picked 14 with Baltimore. This is one of those easy position of need, top player available. At least you talked about him at pick 10. Jermaine Johnson, edge rusher, Florida State, going to Baltimore at 14. This terrifies me on like all accounts. Like, please, no. <laughs> if this ever happens, like I'm, I'm running away because Jermaine I was Johnson amazed that Baltimore had the 14 pick in general because obviously they were so good until Lamar got hurt, and then they, I'm like, oh yeah, they lost every game to end last season and got the 14 pick. Right, and Baltimore always does this. They just, they just find a way to get that one player that is just so valuable. Remember last year they got Rashad Bateman, and we're all like, how did he fall that far? Right, like Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen Patrick that Queen happened to them fell a lot further than what we thought. Lamar Jackson, <laughs> well, exactly. Lamar, this is this happens every year for the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens, and, and Jermaine Johnson is another top ten prospect on my grading sheet right now. He's he's, in, he's over ninety in terms of grades. So I have, I have a mid to early first rounder on this guy. He's going fourteen. This is terrific value for Baltimore Ravens right now to get a guy like Jermaine Johnson. I think can be an absolute beast for uh, any football team uh, right now. I, I'm really really excited to see. Uh, how that would work out between Adolfo Owe as well as Jermaine Johnson, two dominant young edge rushers with a lot of potential on them to, to use those two guys for the future to build a good pass rush around Baltimore. All right. You have Philly at 15, and then I have Philly at 16. It's an interesting way this worked out for them. Yeah. Unfortunately for Philly, they just lost out on Jermaine Johnson. That would have been absolutely ideal if you were Philadelphia, who I think has some good edge rushers already on their team, but you want to add another guy like that. You can never have too much edge rushers, of course. Jermaine Johnson would have been an absolute ideal pick here for them. But yeah, they can always trade Brandon Graham later, too. Yeah. Regardless, I do think there still are some pretty good picks out here for this team. I think there's a guy here that I think is going to go a lot higher than what people expect right now that might be a little bit lower on some boards, and that is Zion Johnson, the interior offensive lineman from Boston College, who actually will have going here 20 to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. A lot of uncertainties right now uh, on their offensive line, of course. They have some pretty solid players uh, on the offensive line, of course. We, we, we know that, you know, they, they are able to get Jason Kelsey back, uh, at least for this season, possibly for the future, which is big. So they don't need center anymore, which is which would have been Tyler Linderbaum if that was the case, but it's not. Um, they already have Jordan, Jordan Mailata, of course, and Lane Johnson at many the outside the tackle spots. You're good there. Right guard is a huge hole for this team right now. You're looking at Isaac Sumalo being the right guard for this team. I don't know if that's a very reliable player for you right now. You, you do like when you have a left guard with Landon Dickerson, who's a good younger rookie that is that can progress here. You finish off the offensive line. This is a team that has built around the offensive line and a run game with Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders being the backs. They are a very run-heavy team. You want to get a good offensive line that can really help with that run stopping uh, or with, with the run with the uh, run protection. Uh, for this team. So I think I think getting Zion Johnson here is a very high ceiling, uh, high floor pick. That can be a very, very good addition to this Eagles offensive line. And with the 16 pick, just to build off of some of the stuff you were talking about there, I'm going to have the Eagles taking Nicobe Dean, the linebacker from Georgia, up here at pick number 16. I listen. I've heard so many people say this is just a pick that has to happen. The Kobe Dean will be a Philadelphia Eagle. It just feels like that's the case right now. Um, 
Nicobe Dean is a borderline perfect linebacker prospect. The only issue with him is how small he is. He's a very tiny linebacker, but man, everything he does is great. I mean, the instincts for a linebacker that Nicobe Dean has is borderline Devin White good. I mean, talk about Devin White being one of the better prospects of linebacker we've ever seen. Roquan Smith good. I mean, that, that is how good Nicobe Dean is. Very, very good. And, and uh, he's a very capable pass co- in pass coverage, of course, specifically in zone. I don't, really, I don't really trust the man-to-man due to his size, but in zone coverage, he's very smart, knows where to go. Great range, great speed, of course. We saw how he did the combine. Very, very good and athletic. Uh, and, and this guy, of course, is very well known for being an insane blitzer for Georgia. You know, he came he came off the edge, up the middle. This is a guy that made quarterbacks not made quarterbacks had nightmares for years uh, with with Georgia due to how dangerous he was. You want to get a good linebacker in the interior there of the Eagles who haven't had a good linebacker in forever now, and and you you match him up with a very solid defensive line. You get a you allow him to you know maybe come in and get some blitzes, also complain coverage, very good run stopper. He's got all the tools to be great. I love this pick. I love Nicobe Dean. He's very very good. Don't forget the Eagles also gave Hassan Reddick a whole lot of money this offseason, too. So that's a linebacker duo for them, uh, possibly off the edge, possibly in the middle. You can rotate stuff to an interesting place the Eagles find themselves in. So uh, the Chargers are at pick 17, who you love the offseason that they had, and everyone loves the offseason they had. And I've been the person who has thrown water on everyone's flames about the Chargers, because I don't think trading for Khalil Mack solved their run-stopping problems or or that overpaying JC Jackson was exactly the best move, although it makes them better. So what do you do with the chargers at pick 17? So they already got their left tackle, the future and Rashawn Slater, right tackle, completely different story. You don't know what's going on at right tackle right now. Uh, big question mark. So there are two guys here that I think are realistic picks for the chargers. I think it's going to be one of those two on the offensive line. Uh, I'll look at Charles Cross look at Trevor Penny. Uh, I definitely think Charles Cross is a far better prospect in this case. More of a more of a left tackle right now, uh, which is you know maybe the reason why I, I wouldn't take him here. But in my opinion, I think he's so much better than Trevor Penning. I have to take him here. I'm going to take Charles Cross here at pick 17. Um, he fell a lot further than I thought he was going to. I definitely thought I'd end up picking him a little bit higher, but it just felt like everyone's needs kind of fell elsewhere at this point, right? Like the, the Eagles don't need an offensive tackle right now. We we saw the Ravens have a great BPA and and. Jermaine Johnson, of course, Green Bay has a huge need at corner uh, wide receiver. Uh, Arizona has a huge need at corner. Um, so does Washington football team. They all have bigger needs and better prospects available right now than Charles Cross in my eyes. So he fell a little bit, and that's going to happen in this draft. We're going to have players that we don't think all end up falling, and Charles Cross in this case is going to be one of those guys that fall. Great value here for Los Angeles. Maybe you put Rashawn Slater, who can also play right tackle and has done it very, very well. Maybe you switch him over to right tackle. You play Charles Cross at left tackle, and all of a sudden you have a very stacked off the line to protect Justin Herbert. You already have good weapons there. A great offense on top of a really good defense now in, in LA. It could be a very dangerous team for years to come. I know we were talking about Rashawn Slater as like a blue chip type of prospect last year, but man, that dude is so good. Like, I feel like we were all underrating how good Rashawn Slater was in the draft last year, even though we were drafting him in the top 10. Like, that dude was like in a normal draft class, a top five pick. That dude is so yeah. good at football. <laughs> Yeah, he, he would be my offensive lineman one if I was if he was in this year's class. I think he, he's that good. Uh, I, I think that you know I, I gave him a lot of of grief last year because I think a lot of people wanted to put him above Panay Sewell, and I was just not about it. 
Um, I will say he had a better rookie season than Panay Sewell. I don't think it's really arguable. I think he had a very, very good season. Panay had some, had some struggles here and there. Uh, Rashawn Slater was consistently one of the better tackles throughout this entire season right now. He has very good off-tackle versatility. He can play left side or right side if need be. He can also play guard. So this is a guy that you could flip over wherever you want. You can put Charles Cross at, at the left tackle spot where he belongs in my eyes. Move over Rashawn Slater to the right tackle spot, and you have two reliable tackles for the future who are very young and on rookie contracts. I'm going to throw an interesting person at you for number 18. I'm interested by what you have to say about it, because I know you liked Paulson Adebo last year, two years ago, or whenever that was. I'm going to take Trent McDuffie, the corner from Washington, at pick 18 for the New Orleans Saints. So Trent McDuffie is a guy I think that a lot of a lot of people have been uh, kind of bullish on after what he measured uh, in the... Uh, uh, in the combine, uh, having very, very short arms. People think that he might be kind of pigeon held to that slot corner spot where Chauncey Gardner Johnson already mans. But I think, I think personally, you look at Trent McDuffie, this is a guy that has shown that he could play on the outside at a very high level in Washington. We saw him and Kyler Gordon, who I think is another potential first round pick on the at cornerback, uh, play together alongside each other uh, last year. And Trent McDuffie was a better corner. Kyler Gordon might be three inches taller, might have longer arms, might be a more athletic guy than Trent McDuffie. But Trent McDuffie is a better corner technically than Kyler Gordon. So you compare those two, I, I think I prefer McDuffie in this case. A very good scheme fit. I like the scheme fit here with going to the the uh, the New Orleans Saints. And at the same time, you look at Chunky Gardner-Johnson. This is a guy that is now possibly going to be playing more safety for this team. After Malcolm Jenkins, of course, retired recently. So you look at Chunky Gardner-Johnson, who's currently in the nickel corner. Maybe you move him to the safety spot. You put McDuffie back in corner where he belongs. I think he can play outside. He can play inside. Can do, uh, he can play on the outside. He can play in the slot. Either of those uh, places make a lot of sense for him. This gives the the Saints a chance to move around some pieces to put back the best 11 players on defense together. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I actually like this pick, even though I think McDuffie is a guy that I wouldn't particularly take over another corner at this point. It is a better scheme fit for the Saints. It makes more sense for them. I would definitely take McDuffie over Booth if I'm a New Orleans Saints personally. Ah, you had Andrew Booth. I was wondering which corner you were talking about. I wasn't 100% sure. I don't know much about Andrew Booth, but I do see that he's on most people's top of draft boards. So I'll take your word for him as a talented prospect. You have the Eagles at 19, unless we have a trade, which I don't see anyone who really would jump to 19. But you have the Eagles at pick 19 for their third first round pick. Yeah, it's ironic you just mentioned Andrew, or we mentioned Andrew Booth because he's going here at 19. This is Andrew Booth territory right here. This is where I would go if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles. As a Bengals fan, my favorite potential first-round pick this year is Andrew Booth Jr. This is who I want to go at 31. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Andrew Booth what would, it, what would it take to get up there? Is there nothing at this point that would convince the Eagles to trade? The Eagles just want him 100%? <sighs> yeah, I mean, you... <laughs> If Andrew, since Andrew Booth has fallen here, I don't think the Eagles ever considered trading this pick. Now, if he was not here and you're looking at McDuffie, then I think they uh, realistically they could definitely trade back and the team could trade up and maybe look for a tackle or a wide receiver, of course. But I think right now um, it makes so much sense for uh, for Philadelphia to just take the good corner right now who can play on the outside and Andrew Booth Jr. I think it's an absolute beast. All right, then you have pick 20 with the New York football giants who have traded down from seven to 20 and oh, that's uh, right. are, are getting ready to draft Kadarius Tony for the second year in a row. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, <laughs> that's certainly a possibility, honestly. I wouldn't put a pass them to do it. Um, 
I'm very tempted to double up on offensive line here uh, because there's a guy I really like that I think could potentially be a pick here uh, right now for the New York Giants. I mean, this is a really bad offensive line, a really bad offensive line overall. You have John Feliciano currently supposed to be starting a center. Uh, this is – it's very weak. you got no one. You just saw Mark Lewinsky, who I think is a very promising right guard. You have Andrew Thomas, who can work at left tackle. Outside of that, there is nothing – too reliable on this team right now. So I'm going to take Tyler Linderbaum, the interior offensive lineman from Iowa. I really think Linderbaum is a, a, one of the better centers we've, we've scouted in a long time. He's got some concerns right now with his arm length, of course. I people think that's a little bit concerning, but you talk about agility and the ability to pull and get outside, make some blocks on the outside. Uh, he's very good at that. A very, very reliable pass protector, as strong as an ox. He's a very strong player that is very agile. Very talented all around, great technique, a very good best player available pick here right now for the Giants who desperately need off the line. They get two guys in this draft, Ike McQuanu and Tyler Linderbaum, who can match up and be very, very good alongside each other. And you also have the Patriots with the next pick. Three picks in a row. All right. Um, it's going to be four because you also have the, the Texans after that. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's crazy. Okay. So uh, Patriots here at uh, 21. Uh, a little bit unlucky for them. Um, you know, I, I definitely think that you want, you would love to have a corner uh, that replaced J.C. Jackson. But of course, there's not really a corner on the uh, – I think it's very valuable here on the board right now. Um, a couple of guys I would consider taking, uh, but I don't know if I'm willing to make the jump to do it. I don't know. Do you, do you want me to get a little bold here? I can get a little bold for you. Oh, you can get bold? I mean, the Patriots can always move down if they think they can get that guy later. I'm sure there's someone who wants to jump, you know, Minnesota at this point. Uh, yeah. If, if you want to offer someone, I don't know who hmm. would want to move up. Would it be Tom Brady who just forced Bruce Arians into retirement? Or are they cool sitting at 27? Uh, they just got, they got a pretty good wide receiver core. Maybe you trade up for a defensive lineman. Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's tough. I don't know if I'd do it. All right. In that case, let's... let's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. What were you going to say? I was going to say, let's get bold and see what, uh, see what the Patriots have in store. So, I'm really tempted to take... Oh, uh, actually, hold on. I might, I might just change my mind last minute. I'm going to audible. I'm going to audible because I, I saw another guy on this board. That he's a very good fit. Bill here. Belichick Sorry. would never do that. Bill Belichick <laughs> would never. <laughs> there's a very good, there's a very good fit here for uh, new England. And, and this is the guy that I think uh, is one of the better wide receivers in this class. I'm going to go Jamison Williams uh, from Alabama, who I think is a guy that I think can, can be a, a guy that makes a lot of sense for this team right now. You have, you know, you have Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Nikhil Harry on this wide receiver core. Nothing too special right now. You get a true wide receiver. They didn't add anyone? Huh. They didn't no. add anyone. That's interesting. I At guess all. they didn't. No. Huh. So they, 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 the Patriots have hardly had anyone at all this offseason, let alone a wide receiver. Uh, so you, you look at J-Mo, who I think could come in and be a the best target on this team. You Matt Jones, a guy that he is, um, you know, uh, going to be able to trust i don't know they, i don't know if they knew each other in alabama they might have i'm not too sure jameson williams you know. and and mac jones yeah i, I mean, assume so because mac jones was there for the championship team but it just right. means jameson williams wasn't uh just means jameson williams wasn't his top target it just means jameson yeah, I, williams was a uh, 
Let's see. Jameson Williams had nine catches. Uh, oh, no, I guess Jameson Williams was at Ohio State first. So I guess you're right. Oh, okay. They they weren't at the yeah. same. I forgot he transferred from Ohio State. You're right. Yeah. They were never there at the same time. So, yeah, I, I didn't know if they were or not. So not really a, a connection. Uh, you, can re- you can rejoin or rekindle. But I do think Jameson Williams is a guy that I really think could be a great fit for New England at 21. I will tell you my my very bold prediction was I was going to take a cornerback. I was going to take Tariq Woolen from UTSA here at 21, who is a guy that I think a lot of people expect to go around maybe around two or three, but dude just ran a four, two, eight is six foot four. <laughs> like someone's going to love that. And I think that's Bill Belichick's type of guy, which I was very tempted to take, but I think Jameson Williams makes more sense here, at least in my eyes right now. Meet, meet UTSA Roadrunners. Yes. Let's go. Meet, meet motherfuckers. Uh, next up, you have Houston sitting at pick 22 after trading with Green Bay earlier. So Green Bay could take Chris Alave. Yes. Uh, so Houston has, uh, they already had their edge rusher that they, that they got in Trayvon Walker, who I think is a very uh, good, talented pick here. A, you know, borderline best player available pick uh, for this team. Um, I'm kind of tempted to take another receiver here if I'm uh, if, if I'm the Houston Texans. I think they have a lot of uh, different needs right now. You know, you have Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins really manning that uh, wide receiver core. Philip Dorsett, Deshaun Hamilton, Chris Conley. Mm, all right, I'll, I'll 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 stick with I'll stick with the pick, with a more simpler pick here. I'll I'll go uh, Trevor Pitting here, right tackle from. Uh, Northern Illinois or Northern Iowa, excuse me. Um, I, I think Penning is a bona fide right tackle that is going to pretty much, I think, be there his entire career. He's a very, very strong uh, man who finishes on a lot of different uh, uh, plays. I mean, he he takes down offensive linemen uh, so easily. Right now, you're starting right tackle for the Texans is Charlie Heck, which is not ideal, right? You already have um, you already have uh, um, what's his name? The guy I'm forgetting right now. Uh, uh, Larry Tunsil, sorry, I don't know why I couldn't think of that. You already have Larry Tunsil manning the left tackle spot, but there's a lot of uncertainty on whether or not he's going to be a very reliable tackle for your team. You know, like you don't you don't know if he's going to be uh, or not reliable. He's definitely reliable, but is he going to be traded? Is he going to go? We don't know right now. There's a lot of question marks behind Larry Tunsil and where, where he's going to be down the line. So you don't even know if he's going to be staying for much longer. I think Trevor Penning makes a lot of sense here because he can match up with Tunsil if he stays. But also, if Tunsil leaves, you still have a reliable tackle to, to build on and we try to find another guy to match up with Trevor Penning. All right. Houston's just going for the the position, the, the trenches, since they don't need skill position players because they're going to be tanking for the top of the draft again next year. So they're just going for trench-type players and accumulating like 15 draft picks in this year's draft. So Minnesota is at 23. I don't That's exactly know. Huh? Is, is that me again? Nope, I have Minnesota on this one. Minnesota oh, okay. was originally oh, twelve. Trade it back. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. Who? Who? Did, what does Minnesota need? Let me think. Minnesota maybe could just go BPA, but I'm trying to think, what does Minnesota have to have at this point? Because I guess they could. They they do need defense, but they kind of need. Yeah. De- they they did sign a lot of people on defense. They got Zadarius Smith. They got Jordan Hicks. They brought back Patrick Peterson. Uh, there's not really a corner available. I think safety and D tackle are biggest needs in my eyes right now. Hmm. In that case, I think we're going to do the fourth Georgia player and they're going to go Devonte Wyatt at pick number 23. Yeah, this is the, I, I think for the Vikings, this is the most ideal pick of the draft 
for Minnesota. I, if I'm Minnesota, I'm wanting Devontae Wyatt here. I think this is where they should go, where he should go, I mean, uh, talent-wise. Uh, true three-tag. This is a guy that is not a uh, going to be a big-time like uh, uh, nose tackle who's going to take over two men the entire game like how Jordan Davis can. But in terms of going one-on-one and beating someone and taking down the quarterback, uh, Devontae Wyatt's one of the better guys that can do that in the league right – or in the college football right now. A very good testing – Tested to be a, a true athlete, so might even be able to play a little bit, uh, uh, you know, on the outside if need to be. Now, I think it's true they do the lineman due to how big he is, but due to his athleticism, he can, he can switch over the line and play different places, which is very sought after. But also, I think where he's best is that three-tech going one-on-one against a guard. He's going to beat that guy a lot in the NFL and get a lot of sacks for Minnesota, which, they, which they desperately need right now. They have good edge rushers. He was Darius Smith, Danielle Hunter, of course. Uh, you have different guys like that, but I really think you match that up with a good interior rusher, Devontae White. Like it's really scary for the NFC North. So I have Dallas next, and I want to just ask you, who is the best offensive lineman you have available right now? Kenyon Green, for sure. Kenyon Green? Is that the uh, the uh, interior lineman guard, it looks like? Yeah, he, he can play tackle, too. A little bit of tackle, a little bit of guard. He is, I think, one of the highest floors out of any player in this draft right now. Uh, I, I think he's going to come in and be an immediate starter for whatever team drafts. In that case, I'm going to have Dallas take him because they lost Connor Williams. They lost Lyle Collins. So I'll have them replenishing the offensive line with their first round draft pick this year. I'll have Kenyon Green going to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I, I love this pick as well, actually. Um, I, I've, I've, been, I've given Zion Johnson a lot. We had Zion Johnson go a little bit earlier, but I think people might have expected. Uh, Kenyon Green is still a very good prospect, and I think he's a guy that we should not uh, be forgetting because he's going to be, like I said, a, a plug-and-play guy. Uh, you mentioned the loss of Connor Williams and Lyle Collins, two big losses for this team. They have needs at right guard right now. I think they have a good replacement right tackle, at least temporarily in my eyes. Um, I, I do think that they're they, – they have uh, – I forgot his name. Hold on, let me, let me see this. I remember seeing Terrence Steele. Terrence Steele is a very uh, solid replacement in place of uh, Lyle Collins last season. So I think it makes sense that he stayed the right tackle right now. But the great thing about Kenny Green is he can play tackle, he can play guard. I think he's a very, very good guard as well. I think a lot of people think that's where he belongs. I had him. I have him listed personally as a guard on my big board as well, on the interior offensive line at least. So I think that's his natural. That's where he should be playing. Right guard to replace Connor Williams because you have a very reliable guard. I think that could fit really, really well on this roster. You have Buffalo at pick twenty-five up next. Yes, I am definitely going to go wide receiver here uh, for sure. I think uh, there's some corners I like. I like Kyer Elam. I still love Tariq Woolen, as I mentioned, but wide receiver value is too good to pass up on right now. Like a Drake London, uh, Jahan Dodson, and Traylon Burks being the main guys on this on on a team. I realistically see them taking. They do have Jamison Crowder, who they just signed. I believe in free agency this year. Um, we do know that Emmanuel Sanders is no longer with the team, so you're trying to find one more guy to match up with Crowder, Diggs, and Gabriel. I really love Drake London out of USC. I think Drake London is a very, very fun prospect that can play uh, for this team apart from Stephon Diggs very, very well. I'm talking about a big guy that is physical, is fast. He can get down the field. He's very good at contested catch situations. Very, very good off the line of scrimmage, in my opinion. Great burst. A, a solid route runner. There's not a lot of holes in this guy's game. I think Drake London is my favorite. He was my favorite prospect to watch out of the receiver core in this draft in the first round. I think I had a lot of fun watching this guy. He makes a lot of highlight plays. Very good uh, receiver. I really think Josh Allen would love a guy like Jahan, or excuse me, uh, like uh, Drake London 
on this team to match up with Stefan Diggs, who's a very good deep threat route runner guy that can play pretty much play anywhere on the field whenever needed. That's Stefan Diggs is just a great player to have in general. You mentioned up with Drake London and Gabriel Davis and Jamison Crowder. You have a great group of guys uh, along with Austin Knox to really create a very dangerous group of receivers for Josh Allen to use. In that case, I'm going to have the Titans with the next pick go with Jahan Dotson with pick number 26, the wide receiver out of Penn State. Even though I was tempted to pick Matt Corral and have that be the bold pick, I'm sure someone will take Matt Corral at the top of the second round as a, a, an inexpensive backup option. Yeah, so uh, you look at Dotson being a guy that is, I mean, really you know, reliable with the speed. Uh, and, and I really think that the Titans right now have a huge need, of course, a wide receiver. Um, you know, you have A.J. Brown, you have Robert Woods. Is there a slot receiver you can really trust right now? Chester Rogers is no longer with the team, I believe. Um, I think you're starting backup slot receiver is Cody Hollister. Um, John Dotson's playing the <laughs> slot. He's, he's, he's is it not that uh, Westbrook Aquina or whatever his name is guy? Is it, I think I, I got it right, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I believe he plays on the outside primarily. So I think, I mean, maybe he could play on the interior as well. Maybe you can put a guy like uh, maybe AJ Brown plays him in. Either way, it's Westbrook Aquina. I'm sure that's not the, right. the glowing option of a receiver they hoped for it to be. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So so Dodson makes a lot of sense here because he gives you a third option on this team as another really fast receiver that can get down the field. You have AJ Brown, the bigger physical six foot three strong guy that can get down the field when he ever needed, but also is very capable of being a yards at the catch guy. He can play in the shorter intermediate parts of the field. He's very tough, very hard to tackle, very hard to play against in, in general if you're a corner. Robert Woods is your Z receiver, your speed guy, can get down the field, can blow by you, forces the safeties to respect the deep ball with Ryan Tannehill and Robert Woods. I love that signing, by the way, I thought, or trade, by the way. I thought that was a big win for the Titans to get him. I really think Dotson, you add a slot receiver who is also very fast, also very good deep down the field, but is also a guy that could be a very good guy over the middle, can give you uh, some good safety blanket dump-offs down the middle, also very fast, can get down the field, good, good, good with the yards after your catch. Very ideal fit, I think, with the Titans here. Uh, I would take him over Traylon Burks. I'm glad that you did. Uh, even though I have Traylon Burks rated higher, it's a better fit here with the Titans taking Jahan Dotson. Yeah, I was tempted to pick Matt Corral as the joke of what's the point of drafting wide receivers if Tannehill can't get the ball to them. But at the very least, they'll still take the receivers and just kick the can down the road on the quarterback. So I I, I genuinely think if Matt Corral falls to 26, that's the lowest he's going to fall. But in this case, I wanted to just go wide receiver instead. So then Corral will fall to the second round. Yes. So uh, you're me. Yes, you have uh, Tampa Bay, who, again, I just can't I can't stress enough. 45-year-old Tom Brady just forced Bruce Arians into retirement in the middle of draft season. So, yeah, you have Tampa Bay sitting at pick 27. This is a tough, uh, tough place to pick, I think, if, if you're Tampa, because, you know, this is a team that already is so stacked on, in general. Uh, I really look at the, the biggest needs being, of course, on the, you know, on the offensive line, it's a, a pretty noticeable need. Ideally, you re-side Robin Gronkowski, if not, because he tied in being in need. There are some questions on the defensive line right now, but you also have um, you also have a couple of guys that you're developing behind them, like uh, Joe Tryon Shoyinka, guys like that. So um, this is tough. I, I, I might go defensive line here still, just due to the fact that it's such a big need for them right now. But there's not really a guy on the board that I like enough, uh, other than George Karlaftis, so I don't know if it's worth taking at this point. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the safe pick here. I 
think this is a good player. I think it's a pretty good fit for this team. Um, you know, they, they re-signed Carlton Davis. They still have Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy Bunting. So it's a pretty solid group of, of cornerbacks. But I really like Kyra Elam in this draft. I'm going to take him here at this pick uh, with pick 27. I think Kyra Elam out of Florida is a guy that could really sit behind or or just play as a substitute corner for these guys for the, for a while. Uh, and I think once Jamel Dean or Sean Murphy Bunting hit free agency, they're probably going to end up going somewhere else just due to the fact that I don't think Camp Taylor can afford him. So you replace him with a good corner in Kyra Elam. This is a borderline best player available pick at a position I think they will need down the line. So helping solve the cornerback problem of the future, they're going to fix it here with getting Kyra Elam here at 27. Interesting, interesting stuff for Tampa because you're right. They've got a bunch of people already. So picking just kind of, I, I thought secondary would be the pick just because we were all laughing at how bad their secondary was last year, but that was just because everyone was hurt. Like once they got Davis and um, what's his name? Anton Winfield and Murphy Bunting back, they kind of look better, but corner depth is always uh, a premium, even if it's usually comes later in the draft with teams drafting their version of Paulson Adebo. So we'll see there. I have the Packers at pick 28. Uh, well, you mentioned Karloffis earlier. Uh, the, the one I'm looking at, he's the highest edge rusher remaining. Is there another edge rusher that you like besides him? David Ojabo, I think, is a better edge rusher. Uh, purely, the biggest problem with Ojabo right now, he just tore his Achilles. So he will be out for quite a bit of the 2022 season. But I do think he's a better edge rusher in terms of pass rushing capabilities over Carl Aftis, if that's what you're curious about. I also think Bouye Maffe uh, from, uh, from Minnesota is another very good edge rusher that has had his stock increased by a lot lately. Um, you have guys like Arnold Ibukite from Penn State is pretty good. I think can be a little bit higher. DeMarvin Leal was a guy that I had at one point being one of the top defensive linemen of the class. Uh, he's kind of fallen off a little bit due to some poor combine testing, but it's another very, very good option at defensive line if you want to go that direction. Um, those would be my top guys, top options right now. Uh, for for uh, most boards, I would say Carlisle is probably the top of, of, of most boards right now. Uh, I'd also maybe say Devin Lloyd's another guy that could play edge rusher if need be. Also a very good linebacker. Uh, I don't know if that's really what their need is, but I definitely think that he could play the edge rusher position if need be as well. I just see that uh, Dean Lowry is starting in the place of Zadarius Smith. So clearly they didn't really replace Zadarius Smith this offseason. But linebacker sure. and edge are their two positions of need. Uh, let's go Devin Lloyd here. Let's hear more about Devin Lloyd at pick 28 for the Green Bay Packers. So De- Devin Lloyd is a do-it-all versatile guy for, for your team right now. He could play a lot of different positions. I think he could play uh, as mainly a guy at linebacker who can blitz. He's a very capable blitzer uh, for, for a team like uh, the, the Green Bay Packers. I really think that you look at you look at the, the tape of, of Devin Lloyd, I really think that he shows a lot of capabilities in playing several different positions in general. He's a big guy, six foot three, I believe, 236 pounds. He's very big for a linebacker, honestly, bigger than Kobe Dean, which is why I think a lot of people uh, almost prefer him. Uh, absolutely ideal size. Can play off ball, play inside, can play on the edge. Um, I, I really think with all of that, he's got great hands. Uh, does not miss many tackles at all. He's very, very good at, at you know, making sure that guys rat taking him down at all times i really think that he's a guy you can if you're green bay you can play him anywhere on the field right now you have a big needed edge rusher you put you can you can put devin lloyd at edge rusher he can be your starting edge rusher and be a very effective pass rusher for your team that can also keep that's also capable of stopping the run whenever needed or dropping back in coverage and playing up in coverage 
All right. You have the Kansas City Chiefs at pick number 29. They got the back-to-back picks sitting there. What are you going to do if you're Kansas City? Yeah. So uh, wide receiver Trillin Briggs from Arkansas is a slam dunk pick here if you're Kansas City. I definitely think this is where they need to go right now. He's a big guy, six foot four. Uh, I believe he's, he's a true X receiver, in my opinion. You just signed Mark without a scantling to a contract. You still have Juju Smith Schuster, who's just there, will probably be your slot receiver in my eyes. I, I like Nicole Harden, but I do think he's mainly going to be a return specialist wide receiver four for this squad. They have a huge need of wide receiver still. You need to give Patrick Mahomes a replacement option to replace Tyreek Hill. Nicole Hardman, or sorry, Nicole Hardman and Marcos Dada Scantling will be your Z receivers that are, are the faster guys that Kyrie Kill played as that can get down the field. But you give him a true X, a guy that you know, was like a Sammy Watkins type guy, for example, and, and Traylon Burks. I think that is your true number one target now, outside from Travis Kelsey, of course, who will definitely be that guy. But uh, you, you give you give Mahomes another guy like that who's very, very big. Um, you know, has had some question marks when it comes to separation, but is also very capable of winning deep. He can win deep whenever necessary. He's got the athleticism too. Uh, you know, pretty solid route runner, great hands. I love Traylon Brooks's hands, very, very safe hands. Uh, you know, they're they're very soft. He can he can make sure he can get onto the ball at all times. Very good contested catcher. If Mahomes Mahomes is a very accurate quarterback. If he can put the, the ball in the right place, Traylon Brooks will catch it. And that is absolutely ideal for Mahomes, in my opinion. So you are going to go wide receiver here. I could I could hear people make the case for the Chiefs not going wide receiver here. Like I actually understand with if you have Juju, MVS, Hardman, and Kelsey. Like I could understand the argument of skipping on wide receiver, and you can get the interchangeable guys down the road uh, just because you have that quarterback. But if you're going to take wide receiver, at least this could be like a big time improve your solidify your wide receiver core because this guy's going to be here for five years type of situation for the Chiefs. So I do understand that move from them since I don't think they've had a first round pick in a while. So they got two this year. Um, I've got the next one. What's a position that they're hoping to lock down for the next four to five years? Uh, I, I think I think corner is a pretty big need to replace Jarvarius Ward. Uh, edge rusher makes a lot of sense for Kansas City. I know that they have uh, some pretty big needs there when it comes to uh, um, uh, you know getting another pass rusher uh, apart from uh, um, you know different guys like Frank Clark and stuff like that. I don't really know if you're going to rely on him for much longer. Um, I, I think Melvin Ingram is a free agent now again. I believe is that right? Yes, he is currently a free agent. It looks like Nick yeah. Bolton kind of slid in there somewhere. Um, yeah, he's a linebacker, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, yeah corner, your starting corners right now are Rashad Fenton and DeAndre Baker. So, I know that's a pretty big need for them. I don't, <laughs> and also, really Legereus Sneed kind of hanging out around there somewhere. Yeah, and, yeah Sneed uh, as well. And the Chiefs, if it weren't for Mahomes, I would start downing the Chiefs in the AFC West. It's really difficult. Um, let's go with your guy, Tariq Woolen from Meet Meet Motherfucker UTSA. Let's go. Let's go with oh. your guy. Talk about him a little bit. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Tariq Woolen is so much fun to watch. <laughs> I mean, this guy is a crazy athlete. I, I did think there's an underrated chance he might have gone Kyler Gordon here, which would have been another pretty good fit for Kansas City. But Tariq Woolen is a fun, fun pick. I think this guy can go a lot higher than people expect. You know, we always see the guys in the combine who go just really, really high due to running an insanely fast time. This guy ran a 4-2-8 at the combine. He is an absolute beast. He's a, he's a, I believe he was even a track runner. That's how, that's, that's how fast he was. A former wide receiver turned corner. 
He's a guy that used to be playing wide receiver for a long time. I actually listened to an interview with the Draft Juice podcast. Shout out to them. Uh, they were talking to him about like, you know, what he wanted to, he wanted to be wide receiver throughout his career at UTSA. His head coach told him, listen, you got to be able to, you got to be able to, you know, be flexible, play different positions. So he stuck him at corner for a while. Switching from wide receiver to corner was the best move to anyone could ever have ever given Tariq Woolen because he has great ball skills. He's a very, very big corner with, that's very fast. Six foot three, 205, uh, still very young uh, at corner and is, is, Terrific in ball skills. So as long as he can stay glued to his guy, as long as he doesn't get his hips twisted the wrong way, which has been a problem for him occasionally, he's still a very raw corner. I trust this this, this Kansas City Chiefs defense to help him develop into being a really good corner. I will go as bold as to say Tariq Woolen has the highest ceiling out of any cornerback in this class. There's nothing that there's nothing that can match six foot four. Four two eight speed. That's just nothing. Can, no, no one can match that. That's just in, insane. Uh, you, you pair that with great ball skills. Like I said, is very very good at seeing the quarterback's eyes, reading the play, being able to get down the field, maybe get an interception. I think ideally the zone corner, but also can play man as well. Um, he's got pretty solid physicality, even though there are questions whether or not he's going to be um, whether he's going to be an immediate guy that can match up against the heavier X receivers down the line. But he's talking about a great development corner. He can be a beast for the Kansas City Chiefs for the future. He can even play minutes right now due to how fast and insanely good he is. All right. That means Kansas City's got themselves a star corner of the future if I have any faith in that organization. So you get to pick the Bengals this time around. You get to pick your buddies at 31, the highest draft pick the Cincinnati Bengals have ever had in any of our lifetimes. What does Cincinnati do with pick number 31? Oh, yeah, it feels good to pick 31, but I really wish it was 32 at the same time. Um, I, I would love a corner here. Uh, I, I might have taken Tariq Woolen, all things considered, if he was here at 31. That would have been a tempting pick for me. Uh, I also think Kyler Gordon from Washington is a very, very possible pick here in terms of predictions. But there's a guy that I really think Cincinnati will love uh, since he has fallen this far, David Ojabo edge rusher from Michigan, a guy that played a part from Aiden Hutchinson, moving a pick here. Um, like I said, torn Achilles. He's been out for, he, he will be out for, uh, I would say, at least half the season next year, in my opinion, unless he, he heals faster than maybe he gets a chance coming back a little bit earlier. But um, in my eyes right now, is the guy that is going to be mainly sitting out next season and Honestly, look at Cincinnati's roster. You already have Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, who are very capable defensive ends to be playing in place of David Ojabo whenever needed. But Cincinnati still has a pretty big problem when it comes to creating pass rush. Um, we, we do notice that on occasion, on third down, there's not a lot of pass rush that they're able to give against these players. They did get a lot of sacks, but they were not getting a lot of pressures that they, like they liked. David Ojabo can give you pressures throughout the entire game. He's a very fast speed rusher off the edge. I think, ideally, you could Sam Hubbard into the inside and play a three-tech, five-tech on passing downs. You let Ojabo, maybe Joseph Osai, maybe Trey Hendrickson, one of those guys also play on the outside next to him. I really, really think that you get three, four of those pass rushers like that, like Osai, Ojabo, Halbert, Hendrickson, BJ Hill. You have a very dangerous group of guys that can all get to the quarterback at a very, very high level. All right. I have the last pick, and I'm going to trade the last pick here to the Carolina Panthers, who are sitting somewhere around like 39, 38, or something like that, I assume, because they had the sixth pick in the draft to get that fifth year option on one Matt. Corral at pick 32. So, so this is awkward. So, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, the Panthers don't have a second or a third round pick this year. 
Wah, wah. That sucks for them. That's right. They traded it for Darnold. In that case, who else needs a quarterback? Uh, you, can, you, can go, you can go with some 2022 picks if you want. Maybe give them a, a second 2022. Uh, Carolina. No, Carolina has to suffer the consequences of trading for Darnold like dumbasses. This is, this is <laughs> Carolina being a dumbass franchise. They have to suffer the penalties now. Uh, do the Giants the want Vikings? Corral? Oh, Ooh. the Vikings would be interesting. The Giants want Matt Corral? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they really seem to want to ride it out with Daniel Jones. Um, what about? I'm trying to brainstorm here. What about? Maybe, Does literally no one want him? This is crazy. Does literally no one want Matt Corral? <laughs> what about what about Washington? I know they have Carson Wentz, but I think Washington still definitely can have a developmental quarterback behind him for the time being. Yeah, Carson Wentz is a one-year contract, so I think Washington could go Matt Corral and be okay. But that would go against Heineke, and we know Ron Rivera loves himself some Heineke. Uh, let's do let's do Washington. Let's let's have them get Matt Corral because Carolina was dumbasses, and now they can't get a quarterback. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think what makes most sense here is like you know a first-round pick for uh, their second-round pick, and maybe a second round next year maybe like a fifth as well. It's like a, what, 15 picks up. Uh, it's pretty considerable. But yeah, I think two seconds, maybe a fifth could be a good uh, you know, like range there if you're Washington. I think Matt Corral needs to go first round. So I'm glad you did it because I was, I was hoping you would. Uh, he needs to be talked about more because this is the guy that is my favorite quarterback of this class right now. Uh, very athletic, I think, has a very solid arm. I think pretty polished for a quarterback already, though he has – he, though he does have some pretty pretty good spot, pretty noticeable spots where he's raw, I think all around you look at what he can do on the field at all times. I mean, he's a very, very talented quarterback. He can get the ball to the receivers whenever necessary, but he's also very good with his legs, has pretty good pocket awareness. Uh, it's good with his progressions. I think he's the most complete quarterback in this class right now. If you ask me, um, you know, who, who has all the traits that I would like together, I would, I would pick back around. All right. You go, Matt. Well, I guess I go, Matt Corral. But we made sure Matt Corral got that fifth-year option because just at least the possibility is too valuable to let the fifth-year option go away. Teams would trade a third-round pick for a fifth-year option on that quarterback. So looking at the board now, anything that intrigued you, caught your attention now that we're all done here? I will say I've had a lot of trouble making making mock drafts this year. There's always places where I get stuck. I'm like, I don't know what this team's going to do. I love this draft. I thought, I thought this is a very, very fun draft. This might be one of my favorite mock drafts we've done in a long time uh, in terms of how complete it was. Um, for one, I love the Bengals got J. David Ojabo. Very happy with that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I really, really think the Jermaine Johnson pick to the Baltimore Ravens is an absolute steal. A great pick there. Um, and also, I love the I love the bold move of going Jordan Davis at eight to the, the Falcons. I think that's a really fun pick. I think will it's very possible Jordan Davis goes to the top ten. I've heard multiple reports that he will. Um, and though he's not been considered, you know, uh, at a position of need for many teams because he's a nose tackle for the Falcons, it's such a perfect scheme fit. That's a good. Uh, that'd be a great pick for the Falcons. That'd be an A pick for me if I'm if I'm the Atlanta Falcons if I'm if I'm grading that pick. So I, I think that's a that's a really really fun good pick and. Uh, I, I'm really, really excited to see um, how this turns out. See how many picks we might have gotten right or wrong. Uh, we'll see how many trades happen in, in, from now until the draft board. Yeah, this one looks like it has a ballpark chance, at least a, a ballpark chance of being correct. You know, you got your picks at the top right, then you got 
I don't know, Zion Johnson to the Eagles. Someone's going to, someone's going to do like the stretch of stretch a player early on in the draft. And that's going to mess everything up, but you know, it'll happen at some point later on in the draft. Doesn't have to be at pick 17, like the Raiders and dolphins would always do. Someone else might stretch early on in the draft. Like if you're the Eagles, I assume they kind of just do BPA for most of their picks. I'm looking at them now. Like, I'm not sure anyone like unless they get like big eyes for a certain prospect would reach that early in the draft. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I think we were able to get a lot of best player available picks for a lot of these different teams. Like Charles Cross, 17th, definitely best player available pick. Uh, I think Andrew Booth at 19th, best player available. Helena Bowman, 20th, best player available. Um, even guys like, like I said, Jermaine Johnson, the best player available. I look at guys like Derek Stingley, being best player available. Ahmad Garner, who they, the Cardinals traded up for. Devontae Wyatt, Kenyon Green. A lot of these players that we draft, Devin Lloyd, uh, these are all best player available picks. Uh, and I think are, are good fits for different teams right now. So I think it, most, of these team, most of these teams and most of these fans of, of, this, of, of different teams should be pleased with what they got from this draft. I think they got a lot of different good prospects.